Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Halal Food Podcast. Today we've got an important uh, guest with us today, uh, Brother Umar. Bra Brother Umar is coming to talk to us about Islamic finance. Uh, as you know, food uh, is something that is also affected by how we how we finance food businesses and even how we buy food so that is why brother umar's uh, presence here today is good and i hope many people are going to benefit from what whatever we are discussing today so i'm going to invite brother umar to introduce himself and the organization that he represents Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu ala rasulullah bismillah rahman rahim firstly jazakallah brother awal for having me on uh, my name is Omar, for those that you don't know, um, and I am the current uh, CEO of the Riba Free Foundation. Now, the Riba Free Foundation, um, many of you will not know that it actually currently exists. We are fairly new. Uh, we are currently going through our charity process as well. Um, we have been incubated by and represented by, uh, backed by a slightly bigger business, which a lot of you will know. Um, but ultimately, our remit is very clear, and we're very, very hell-bent on fighting Riba. Um, because it is it is a cancer for society. There's there's no other there's no other way to put it. it if you look at the economic situation that we live in today, um, you know it's 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 crazy. We've got um, hardworking British people going to food banks. Uh, there's over two million homeless people. Um, so there's lots of things that we can digest and understand. Uh, the, the mental state of people that can't afford to pay their mortgages. This is all a result of the, the Dibawi-based system. So we, you know, under the, the, the Rafi Foundation, we've got kind of three main remits currently. One is to provide um, financial literacy training uh, jet on, on conventional finance. And then obviously yeah. we provide um, understanding what riba is in, in layman's terms, because a lot of people misunderstand it or don't fully understand it. Uh, two is um, shining a light on the the banking industry so marketing and awareness regarding the corrupt practice of the industry um and three we're actually in the process of developing a a a, a product directory where we can push riba free products and services to the people that are you know crying out for these things thank you very much brother umar uh you've just mentioned something that is actually really touched my heart that the fact that because of the the, the, the nature of conventional uh, systems that is why we have things people going through mental health mental health issues because they cannot pay their mortgages people even working people having to resort to food banks that is very very worrying but before we go into detail in, into detail on that in terms of islamic finance in lay terms what is islamic finance why do muslims need their own economic or trading system Call Islamic finance? Yeah, a good question. And again, Islamic finance is, is a bit of a polarizing issue, but I, I will explain it in simple terms. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go to a bank, they only have one product, and that's a loan. And that loan is an interest bearing loan, which involves riba, right? Um, and, you know, as Muslims, we, we want access to finance that is in line with our faith, right? Um, which is, uh, you know, not just Sharia compliant, but goes over and above what the Sharia's main purpose was having access to that finance. Because, you know, in this day and age, you do get two different views on what Islamic finance should be and shouldn't be. Um, and look, you know, it, it does, this this space does need mass, massive reform. But ultimately, what it means in simple terms is having access to finance that is not based on riba. 
unfortunately, we live in a highly entrenched ribawi based system and economic structure. So, um, you know, back in the days, you know, in the time of Zahaba, 1400 years ago, banking was not a profit making entity. It was oh, there to facilitate yeah. trade. It was there to to build innovation. It was there to, you know, build roads, uh, facilitate societal needs. Um, but the problem is banking in this day and age um, is a big problem because what they do ultimately is they make the gap between rich and poor a lot wider. Um, and, you know, the hallmarks of an Islamic economic structure is social justice, right? Yeah. So we're basically what we're seeing right now is social injustice. Thank you very much, brother Umar. So if I were to ask you with the Riba Free Foundation, what is your main target? Are you targeting businesses to be Riba compliant or to be Riba free? Or are you targeting both businesses and Muslim individuals? What, what's your main objective? Yeah, no, good question. But before I answer that, let me answer what is Riba? Yeah, okay. that, that's a good question. Um, that was going to be my next question. But if you can yeah, explain it in um, lay terms, that'll be good. Yeah, so let, let me answer what is Riba first yeah. um, in, in, in a way that can, you know the viewers can easily understand. And then I'll come into answering what is the purpose in terms of what the RFF is doing. Yeah. So, um, you know, ultimately Islam, uh, you know, there's, there's two kind of like areas which determine our life, right? We have Fiqh al-Ibadat and Fiqh al-Mu'amalat. Um, fiqh al-Ibadat has been predefined for us, it's been perfected. And that was the whole purpose of Rasulullah coming and teaching us our religion, right? We don't have a say in that, right? It's done. Muhammad mm -hmm. Allah left it a lot of flexibility in it. Uh, and because, you know, the principles he gave us, and the biggest principle is, you know, prohibition of riba. So he's given us the principles that we have to work within those principles. Um, and ultimately what riba is, is when you have a transactional exchange happening, Islam basically says there's got to be economic value or some benefit on each side right yeah. me and you can negotiate and 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 discuss what that may be right but what you can't do is for example have you know money on one side where say for example you have um you know i will i say to you actually i'm going to give you a hundred dollars right yeah um and then you know you say to me well, actually hold on a minute you give me a hundred dollars but from you, I want um, $120, for example, right? Mm. That's that's just, if you, if you look at it on it on the, in, in the essence of what it is, that's that's not really fair, right? Because yeah. it's the same currency, it's the same paper value, but you're going to get $20 in exchange for what exactly? Do you see what I mean? So, for example, when it comes to having fair value of exchange, you know, you, uh, you, you're wearing a lovely shirt. I might say to you, I will, um, you know, I, I really like that shirt. Can I buy it off you? And I'm willing to give you, you know, we negotiate a price, $20, $30, whatever it may be. There's fair value each side. Do you see what I mean? Um, you know, uh, you could say to me, Omar, um, I've heard you're a really, really good cleaner. Can you come and clean my house? And, you know, you're offering me uh, value for that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's there's exchange on either side. So you know there's a shirt, there's money being exchanged, there's there's cleaning and there's there's money being exchanged. So both people are being you know reimbursed uh, fairly and appropriately, right? Yeah. Um, what what you can't have ultimately is that example that I gave you of 120 dollars for 100 dollars, right? Because effectively that's what's happening in a loan yeah. that a bank gives you. Do you see what I mean? You buy a house on a mortgage, right? That house costs 100 grand. However you end up paying 
additional amount of interest yeah. on top of that, right? That's why back in, back back in in the in the in the time of the Sahaba, um, they would give Qad Hassan or Sadaqah, right? They would be interest free loans. So, um, and the other thing that you can have is you can have, um, and this ha- used to happen a lot, uh, even if you go back hundred years in 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 the early Great Britain, nineteen uh, hundreds, where you would exchange, I don't know. Um, a product for another product, for example, yeah, you know, yeah. um, you could you could exchange, I don't know, dates for Bali or, or something like that. And yeah. obviously, when it comes to these kind of products, the Sharia has given specific rulings because this used to happen 1400 years ago as well. Yeah, um, it used to be in, very common in Africa as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, brother Umar, so now assuming we've got two Muslims, Muhammad and Al-Hassan, Muhammad is in dire need of money. Yeah. Al-Hassan has got the money and said, look, Muhammad, I'm happy to borrow you this money. However, if when you pay, pay him back, I just want 10% on it. Muhammad has agreed. Has, Al-Hassan has, has agreed. Both of them are happy with the transaction. But the borrower will pay some amount of it, a, a amount of money on it, a sort of I don't know whether that is interest or something to motivate the, the lender to borrow him. What would be uh, uh, the, the, the view of Islam on this? Well, just just firstly, yeah. I, I, it's a, very appropriate for me to state that I'm not a Sharia scholar, right? Yeah, so yeah. I can't yeah, give yeah. fatwas on this, right? Yeah. Uh, this is my own view and opinion. Correct. Um, you know, alhamdulillah, I've had the, the the I've been fortunate enough to sit under scholars and study. Um, you know, a certain aspect when it comes to riba, but that's a very good question, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I understand it in two parts. So, for example, look, if somebody enters into a ribawi transaction, whether they do it and and condone it doesn't make it halal. That's what I right? want. That's because, what I want. Because yeah. because because the the ayah of the Quran, there's no there's no for me there's no more nothing more emp- um, you know emphatic than an eye of the Quran that says. That if you do not give up riba, then take a notice of war from Allah and His Rasul. Now, this is very, very scary, right? And the tafsir of this ayah, if people look into it, it's it's insane. It's insanely scary, right? Because there's nowhere else, there's nowhere else in the Quran that says, um, you know, there's, there's not a follow of uh, a declaration of war. And somebody might say, well, why, why riba, right? Why was there not a declaration of war given when it comes to murder? Or theft or rape, right? Uh, and 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 this, you know, obviously, Islam is a religion of wisdom, right? So, imagine, imagine you, for example, uh, you know, somebody is murdered or raped within a certain society. That affects that society. It doesn't yeah. doesn't generally have a worldwide effect. However, the problem with riba is, once it's instilled into society, it destroys society and communities globally. Because we live in a global ribawi economic structure, so that's why um, you know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala ultimately what He wanted for people, and this is not just for Muslims, by the way. Yeah. He wanted yeah. social justice, right? That's and that's a that's a huge hallmark of our religion as well, right? Uh, we have to we have to preach this. So um, I know there's there's some people that will say, well, you know, the the issue of daruda, and we you know we don't have any other options. Um, but if you go back. You know, uh, 1400 years, there was many other issues that, you know, the Sahaba and our pious predecessors faced in history, but they found a solution within the Sharia 
Do you see what I mean? So it actually, it, we actually need to come back and rethink our approach because Islamic finance 20 years ago was created to facilitate Islamic finance, but it, it's been hijacked by the conventional industry um, because you have structures like commodity marabaha, which have replicated a loan. Do you see what I mean? So it comes back to this argument of substance and form. Um, ultimately, you know, if it looks like a loan and it's replicating a loan, is it is it Sharia compliant? Tick box wise, maybe, but in essence, a lot of people are not happy with this structure. And that's just that's just one example with it, right? And yeah. um, the other is the cost of financing, which is what you touched upon. So, you know, to encourage people to to give finance out, right? Um, you know, you, there, there there's certain costs involved. The problem is the costs that we see today, they're, you know, they're not reflective of the actual cost involved for lending out finance. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sorry, I know I've answered this a bit convoluted in, in a long way, but it's important because, you know, we sometimes look for the solution and we think, um, you know, we, we've got to work within structure. But the solution actually for me is Allah subhanahu wa told us what riba is in the Quran. He also told us what is trade. Solution has always been trade. Right. What does that mean? That means that we have to control our own money supply. Right. And, and there's a particular community that does it very, very well. Right. I, I don't need to even need to say who they are. They do it very, very well. In fact, they they those you know, the Jewish community, they teach their children from a young age, a part of their Akida. Right. How not to work for people and to make your own money. Do you see what I mean? Um, but we have to really we have to come back to the drawing board on Islamic finance and also educating ourselves about riba because this is not something that we, a one person or 10 people can solve. It's got to be done collectively. And this is what also Allah tells us in the Quran. If you don't do things collectively, you're not going to bear fruit. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, brother Omar. I think this is very scary from what you've just explained. That is very scary. And may Allah help all of us to, to, yeah. to be able to, to comply with it. Now, my other question is, is it... Sorry, I, just, I just want to mention one point before you ask the next question. It is very scary. However, however, there are many people that have an interest-bearing um, debt on their mortgages or, you know, have bought um, cars on finance. Our job isn't to tell them that what you've done is wrong, right? Mm. Our, our job as part of the RFF is to shine a light on and say, well, hold on a minute. Um, you know, because a lot of people have gone down this route that not happily. Do you see what I mean? So it's, it, our job is not to finger point. Our job is to try to provide proper solutions because we realize there's not many out there. I think that's a good point because look, there are millions of Muslims who are in 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 riba 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 debts, and look, some of them genuinely are stuck. They they wish they could come out, but if if there is a, an alternative or a sort of mouthpiece where they can get information to just say, look, this is out there this is what is available for you i think that would be very good because many people are stuck in in in, in mortgages in in credit cards in so many things they cannot come out and then uh, some do not have the information so i'm happy you you are not telling them look you are you are, you are doing haram you need to this, do this but you're giving them the right information to make informed decisions exactly and look how how, how can i or anybody for that matter say what you're doing is wrong because uh, there's only one judge, right? And that's Allah. I'm not here to judge anyone. What 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 I really want to do is because I've I've seen this conundrum myself, right? Yeah. Throughout, throughout the last 30 years, right? And I've just realized that we did try to solve it 20 years ago with Islamic finance, but Islamic finance, what it was created for and what the banks have used it for are two different things. 
So we really need to go back to the drawing board. Okay. So the other question is, is the issue with loans and credit or is the issue with the interest? Because if I borrow you £100, uh, Brother Umar, and say, look, pay, pay me back in three months, but I want my £100 back. No interest on it, but I'm telling you that it's a loan. Is it the loan that we have, that, that, that is the issue, or the interest? So, again, another good question. So, what, what people may define what a loan is differently, right? Okay. So, somebody might say, well, you know, um, this loan is a God Hassan, but they call it a loan. The thing with riba is, you have to really understand what has been agreed, the fine prints within the T's and C's of the contract, um, or the sell that's taking place. Do you see what I mean? As you've just highlighted. So, for example, if you if you say to me, the the problem isn't so much with a loan as such, right? Because, for example, if you say to me, I'm going to give you a loan and I want you to pay back that loan amount, there's no issue with that whatsoever. There's no riba involved. But the problem is, conventionally, a loan in this day and age has riba in it. Yeah. That's the problem. So you go to a bank to get a loan. It has riba included in it, and that's problematic. So the issue is, you and this is the problem with riba as well, why some people sometimes do get confused, because riba comes in different shapes and sizes, and I, I don't want to complicate the subject matter right now, but when we do, you know, we are, we are as part of the RFF, one of our, our first pillars is to provide relevant education that people can easily understand, because, um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to look at every single contract and read it to understand, is there riba in it or is there not? And the same with, with a, a sell that takes place. Coming back to, um, you mentioned money, I just want to explain one other, one other concept, um, you know, of um, currency, for example. You know, because yeah, people, yeah, yeah. people talk about, you know, is, um, you know, you're going to go on holiday, for example, you need to train, uh, trade, uh, exchange one currency for another. Mm -hmm. um, there's no problem with that, by the way. Right. There's absolutely okay. no problem with that because even if there's um, a, a commission on it, even if there's a commission on it. So uh, let, let me come to that. So yeah. in terms of the actual exchange itself, right, because I want to I want to I want to answer this in two ways. One is okay. the spot trade that's taking place because you're you want to go on holiday somewhere. And you want to exchange, I don't know, pounds for another currency, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and also there's hadith on uh, on on spot transfers and and, and scenarios as such. Um, but the other thing I just want to make clear from the outset, forex trading, from my understanding from most scholars, is impermissible. It's not allowed, right? Um, because that's 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 different to a spot trade. See what I mean? Where somebody's making money off currency that they don't physically own. Because remember, in Islam, you have to have ownership of that asset in order for you to trade it. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> the problem with forex trading is, you, you know, there's pieces of paper going around saying you own it at this point, and then you own it at this point, and you sell it at this point. So do you actually take physical ownership of it? And that's the problem. With a spot trade, you physically have pounds and you're yeah. changing it for another currency and that's happening hand-to-hand, -hand, right? As per the Hadith of Rasulullah. And there's other conditions for that as well. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. So, so there's two things there. Forex, impermissible, according to most scholars, but an exchange of uh, currency that happens is completely fine. What you can't do, though, there, there's a caveat here, what you can't do is exchange the same currency for a higher or lower amount because that's a riba. For example, you exchange $120 for $100. $100 that's a riba. That's just not allowed. Okay. Uh, this is this is getting very interesting. Now, I have a friend who contacted me recently, and this is a true story. He invested $1,000 in a 
what do they call that thing? Uh, you know the online thing, uh, Bitcoin. Oh, you you in the cryptocurrency? I'm, I'm not familiar with it, but he told me he he invested <clears throat> invested thousand dollars in a high risk. I don't know what that high risk meant, but in a high risk uh, system within that cryptocurrency, and within a few months he earned fifty thousand dollars from the thousand dollars he invested. Is that river or is it genuine trading? Because the thousand pounds, a thousand dollars was his money, which he invested. But I think it's not tangible. It's something that is online. You, what was the position of Islam on that? Again, obviously, I can't. You know, I'm not a scholar in order yeah. to uh, in order to answer this question. And the question that you've asked is quite quite specific. Yeah. Um, what I can what I can answer is there's certain scholars out there that have answered this question already okay. um, but coming back to, let's come back to the 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 basics of what you're asking right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's some scholars that obviously you know are on the fence with, when it comes to trading cryptocurrency right um but in terms of the thousand pound that your 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 friend has put in dollars yeah th sorry thousand dollars that that's that's economic value right so he's putting that physical cash whether it yeah. goes into a digital ledger or not or whatever is irrelevant so that's that that that's money he's put in so it's of economic value um and he's obviously trading it against bitcoin now the, the issue with um um you know people people's opinions on cryptocurrency is that you know there's there's three scholarly opinions that, that i know that some scholars say that it's not permissible some scholars are are you know a little bit in the middle and there's some scholars that say it is permissible however with conditions um and there's one particular scholar that i i would encourage you to read about and that's dr sajid umar who has has labeled cryptocurrency as a distorted currency and he's giving a checklist of of items that you must do in order to trade the cryptocurrency and he he categorically said if you could, for example you've got to understand what you're doing uh, you need to read the white paper. These are just parts of the um, okay. <laughs> the checklist that he's provided. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. So and he said he said if you haven't done the this part this due diligence, then it's not permissible for you. Okay. Um, so I, I think he, his fatwa is online. If you uh, if you um um type in Islam twenty one C, you'll find it there. Inshallah, inshallah. So now that you've explained, you've thrown some light on Islamic finance and also riba, I, I was asking you at the start, there are millions of Muslims who are stuck in this system. There are millions of Muslim families, Muslim businesses that are stuck in it. What is RFF's aim? Are you targeting businesses to help them with this information or are you uh, targeting <coughs> everyone? So again, I know you asked this question earlier and there's a reason why I didn't answer it. I thought I'd leave it to the end. Yeah. But I want to talk about one really, really critical factor for us okay. as okay. as an ummah, right? Yeah. As society. Um, you know, a, 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 even if it's a small group, a group of sincere people mm -hmm. can have massive change in the world. Okay? Yeah. But one or two or three people can't can't do that. There needs to be a small group of people and obviously, it's about building that critical mass. And what I, what I'm going to talk about here is so so important right now. And that's about trade and creating that economic leverage of trade. What does that mean? That means that we really have to make be careful where we're spending our money. Yeah. You know. Um, 
that's why Allah said he made trade permissible and riba haram, right? And sometimes people confuse the two, and there's a very distinct difference. As I explained, there's got to be fair value on each side. Now, <clears throat> whether you look at it from a microeconomic uh, perspective or a macroeconomic perspective, we, for example, now you 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 you're you know you're you're an advocate of the halal industry, for example. Now, let's look at that industry um, in terms of what we can do there. Now, halal has been going on for last 30, 40 years, and they've made massive strides. Mm -hmm. Islamic finance is still fairly, uh, you know, fairly new to a certain degree. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of people don't understand riba. Um, but I remember growing up, um, you know, we, we would go to, you know, your, your McDonald's and your Burger King to buy the Happy Meals as kids, and we'd get excited about it because there weren't really that many halal options. It's true. Circle forward to today, uh, you'd be you'd be you'd be hard placed not to go to a UK town where you can't find halal food. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So, <clears throat> so that that's great. However, how can we have even greater impact? What we can do is we can make sure that the people that are within the halal industry trade regularly with one another, one another, and understand the reason why they would want to trade with one another because it's about controlling the money supply. See that. Yeah. The Islamic economic structure, what 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 it tries to bring in social justice, it tries to redistribute wealth. It, it wants to be circling around the economy regularly, right? Mm. Um, not not hoarding wealth. Um, you know, Muslims are not particularly very good at in, uh, investing either. Um, not all of them, but a, a vast majority of them, right? We yeah. know that having money sat in the bank account doesn't really do much. We, we haven't been, you know, we t we need to understand how to invest our money properly, where to invest it, and there's many uh, in that regard. Take away Islamic finance. I think there's many, many businesses out there uh, within the Islamic finance remit that are really offering real good value. Um, and it doesn't take long to find out who they are. And coming back to the question of the RFF, what we want to do is we want to push these products and services out to the masses because we would have done our due diligence on this company and the people involved and said, do you know what? <clears throat> we understand what they're offering. We, they, we understand that they want to fight Riba from their own particular angle. Um, and we want to promote their products and services because a lot of people don't know about them. So that's why coming back to the three pillars is education, uh, um, you know, marketing and awareness of the of the industry and of these products and that product directory that we're building. Um, so we can we can push these products and services out to the masses at large. And they've been vetted by us so people can trust the fact that actually, hold on, the RFS has vetted them. Um, we, we understand that they've done their due diligence. We can we can safely use their product or service. Yeah, yeah. I was watching a, a TikTok video recently, and I came from I came across a Jewish gentleman who was talking about the Jewish secular economy. So he gave an example that if he wants to buy a house, he he looks for a financial advisor who is a Jew. He when he then goes to the bank, he he will get somebody within the bank who is a Jew. When he needs a plumber at home, he looks for a Jew. The Jewish population is smaller than the Muslim population. Do you think it is possible that we could have a, an Islamic or a Muslim secular economy where at least we try to be active within that economy? Do you think it's possible? So now I would say this is probably one of the most important parts of the RFF, this point that you just raised. Because okay. what we want to do, we've, we've already identified there's lots of great um, people doing great work, <clears throat> you know, within the Ummah, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is we see it in different pockets and that that's fine, it helps the local community, but if we want to solve a, a country-wide problem, 
we have to, we, the RFM ultimately what we want to be is the glue that joins all these people together. That's why, you know, some of these people may not know one another. <clears throat> and the two things I would say that I'm, you'll hear me say this time and time again is that there, there's issues with it in the our own ummah as well. Because you get examples of the Jews and they're, they're, you know, some people don't, some people have an issue of using this example, but they are a fantastic example in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine if the Muslims worked together, right? If they could look past their noses and part of their egos at their door. And I'm not saying everybody, every Muslim is like this, but it is an issue. It's an issue because everybody wants to be the top dog or they want to be in charge or whatever. But this is where we need to come back to understanding our religion and the purpose involved because what, who owns the wealth? Who owns the wealth? Effectively, when we go in that, we're all going to go in that hole in the ground. We can't take our wealth with, with us, right? Yeah, so who yeah. are we working for? Are we working for ourselves? Look, there's nothing wrong with feeding your family and having a, having a good life. There's nothing even wrong with having money. But you've got to understand how money works and why you have money and why you want to grow it. Do you see what I mean? So ultimately, it all belongs to Allah, right? Yeah. If you yeah. And, and, and many things, by the way, are a mindset issue. So when you flip that mindset and think, do you know what? I'm working for Allah. I need to help my brothers and sisters, just like the Jews do. They they look after their money in, in terms of building their own um, people up, building their industries up, controlling their money supply. There's no reason why we can't do it. Mm. And I, I, I'm very, very, um, you know, positive um, to see lots of good things happening in our Ummah right now, especially amongst the youth, because you've got to understand the youth is the generation that's always going to be taken over. So what, whoever the youth may be at that time, you need to nurture them and, 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 and as such and make sure that they gain the skills and the exposure to come into positions where they can lead justly, right? So I, I think the tr trading amongst one another, um, um, among one another is critical right now. I, I, I highly advise people to do it. Um, it's better if, if you've got a local cash and carry that's selling the same products as Tesco and Sainsbury, go and support your local cash and carry. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know what I mean? Because the difference is, you know where he's going to be spending his money. He be, he's going to be paying his zakat. He's going to be giving his sadaqah. He's going to be helping the person down the street. And that's why you have to spend your money in responsible places. That's why we have to spend the money amongst ourselves and control this money supply and get it flowing throughout the economy. One thing I will say, though, uh, we also, as an ummah, if we go back to the history of, there's many civilizations, Andalus, Iraq, for example, right? Yeah. We were at the forefront of society because we were constantly innovating. We are now... The roles have been reversed, unfortunately, right? So we have to also push ourselves because there's many a time where, you know, you can't just employ a Muslim for the sake of employing a Muslim. He's got to have the, the he's got to have the value on offer. He's got to have the skill set. He's got to have the punctuality. He's got to have the mindset to deliver something as well, right? So there, there's got to be, like I said, there's got to be value uh, either way. We also have to develop our skill set and our mindsets further. Yeah, that sounds very really good. Uh, this last bit, inshallah, I hope people will listen and take something from it. If 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 nobody gains anything from the whole uh, conversation, at least they should gain something from the secular economy bit because that is very very important. And with a sec secular economy, that could help with having a river free economy. Let me give you another example. Like yeah. for me, th this is one of the sole purposes of why the RFF exists, right? Yeah. All the education and marketing awareness is ultimately serve this purpose, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> imagine now we we don't really have an Islamic bank in the UK. Let's be honest. Uh, there was Al Rayyan. They've pulled back their 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 product, um, but there's not a supply. Um, and the uh, you know some people will say, well, hold on a minute. Why why are we being 
why are we paying more for Islamic finance? Is it like a religious tax? But the, the point I would argue is that, you know, in order for us to really um, make change, say, for example, we had, I don't know, a thousand businesses within the UK and they all turn around and said to the bank, I want Sharia compliant banking or I'm moving my money elsewhere. Or we create that economic leverage. They will take notice. I guarantee you they will take notice. Yes. And if they don't, why can't we create something fit for purpose for our own brothers and sisters? Why can't we do that? There's so many, there's so many talented people out in the Ummah. There's so many people that have had great exposure, experience, skills, connections. The point is now, if you're going to work for Allah, we need to put that all together. And like I said, part of the ego at the door. We're not going to solve this conundrum. And as part of the RFF, by the way, we want people to join us on our journey. We want people to come and speak to us. We want people to come and connect with us. Um, if you are developing a product, for example, uh, and you don't know how to how to do it in terms of the Sharia compliance, we can put you in touch with people. Uh, we can, you know, we can signpost you to certain other areas where we have connections. So we've got to, the, the the key word here is work together. If you don't work together, don't expect to see any fruit. Inshallah, inshallah. Thank you very, very much, brother Umar. Uh, this is uh, a topic that I believe many people will benefit from. I am benefiting from it, uh, from just com uh, having a conversation with you. And I, it really struck me when I saw you in uh, in London during the Halal Expo. And I said, look, when you gave your presentation, I was so... Uh, I was so happy that I was present at the time. I benefited something from it. And I just said, look, it's better you come on this podcast so that other people can benefit from uh, from RFF or from the, the sort of the, the, the idea you guys have got. So that inshallah, maybe people could contact you after this podcast just to get further information on how to, to, to benefit from, from RFF. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, and and uh, I just want to remind you, any goodness that we have is not from myself, it's from Allah. Uh, and we, you know, there's there's a few principles that I would encourage people to adopt in life is that, uh, you know, as uh, as many scholars have propagated in this past, one is uh, ikhlas, uh, ihsan and istiqamah. You, you put these three things together, you can go a long way. I'm not saying I have these. Um, you know, your podcast is a way for me to learn as well. And I think you've been very generous and too kind, to be honest, uh, to me. But I, I, I want, I, we, we have done a bit of research when it comes to riba at the RFF. We understand that people don't fully understand riba, and yeah. they also get a bit thrown by the term. So we want to offer this education, this financial literacy education, yeah. in a digestible manner, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why, as part of the RFF going forward, we will be offering these training courses. Um, you know, um, we've been very well received within the industry and without. And, and just to add, um, this is not just, you know, the RFF is not just for Muslims. Um, there's many people right now that are bearing the brunt of this Dubai-based system. And there's other organizations that we look to partner with um, that are already been championing the bit in terms of fighting interest in the banking, the banking system. So, um, you know, in terms of where can people find out more information, yeah. if you go to ribafree.org.uk, um, you can check us out there. It's some information regarding uh, what we're doing. Um, if you want, we are going to be just just to be clear as well. Um, just just so just so that the vision doesn't change. Yeah. We are going through our charity registration process. We are going to be set up as a wakf. So, say God forbid something happened to our team and the, and the people that are involved in the RFF, somebody can readily take it over, yeah. and the vision yeah. doesn't change and the work doesn't change because sure. we don't want to profit from this. 
uh, we want to create a wider riba ecosystem, riba free ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and the RFF for us is the first building block. And we want to work with anybody who, <laughs> you know, within the Islamic finance industry and all the all the businesses that have the same vision in terms of fighting riba. Like I said, there's lots of good businesses out there already that yeah. people don't know about. And we want to push their services out there. So you can go on ribafree.org.uk to find out more yeah. about us. Yeah. Um, and also connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, maybe you can share the link. Um, I'm happy to speak to anyone on that. Um, and you'll find there's other members that are involved in the RFF as well. Please reach out to them. Um, we will be attending more events, uh, you know, coming forth. And uh, once we get our our full licensed charity registration done, we'll be sharing information on that as well. So, yeah, so yeah you can check us out there. Yeah, just the last one before we go. Uh, do you I do you have a presence on social media? Media, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, all those guys, uh, all those platforms. Is RFF present or not yet? So the, the, these all these uh, this omni-channel presence on social media is is due to be set up. Is not okay. set up yet. Um, actually, to be honest, we have we haven't officially launched yet. Um, when we do officially launch, uh, we will be shouting about it because we've got. Um, We've got a specific way we want to launch in the UK, so it, it will be going country far and wide. Sure. Um, so I would say um, go to the website, register yeah. your email address, because once you register your email address and when we do launch, we'll notify you straight away. You'll be the first to know. All right. Thank you once again, uh, Brother Umar. Uh, for On behalf of my listeners and viewers, I would like to thank you for making some time to come here. No, Jazakallah. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to speak with you, brother. Inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. Salaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Salaam.